and that openness and that sense of let's follow God and just, the answer is yes. Now, God, what's the question? You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to another podcast, my friend. I just read an article that said there are over 48 million podcast episodes available. So the fact that you've chosen to listen to this one, well, that makes you one in 48 million. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Several years ago, I needed to buy a new car. Part of my personality is that I've always wanted to be unique. So when I went car shopping, one of the things that influenced my decision was wanting a car that not many people owned. I ended up buying a Suzuki Grand Vitara, and I distinctly remember driving the car off the lot, and suddenly everywhere I looked, I saw Suzuki Grand Vitaras. <laughs> I've had that experience with other situations in life, too. Well, my conversation today is with Matt Brower, and one of the concepts he introduced me to was the phrase, the answer is yes, God, now what is the question? That phrase really captured my attention. I wrote it down and committed myself to explore what that attitude would look like in my own life. Well, suddenly, I started seeing that phrase over and over again. It came up in a conversation with a friend at church. One of the other podcasts I listened to had a guest that used that same phrase. It seemed like, yes, now what's the question, was all around me. If I've learned one thing about God, it is that sometimes he speaks to me through repetition. Maybe that is what it takes for him to get things through this thick noggin of mine. At any rate, today we're going to talk with Matt Brower about how that idea of saying yes, now what's the question, has shaped the trajectory of his life. Well, we'll get to our interview in just a minute, but I wanted to introduce you to Doug Hoffman. Doug is the executive director of Mercy, Inc. Doug, it would be really cool if you could just tell us a little bit about what is Mercy, Inc., and what do you do? Mercy, Inc. is a humanitarian 501c3 organization. We do humanitarian work around the world. We like to describe ourselves as being the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are disadvantaged, those who don't have what we have. And that might be food, that might be health, that might be spiritual. We reach out to them through compassion work, through helping hands bring them to Christ. I mean, that's our ultimate goal around the world. So if you think about it, what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Jesus reached out to them. He was always healing, he was feeding, he was nurturing, he was helping emotionally. And that's what our model for, for mercy is, to be like Jesus. Always think about what would Jesus do if he was in that situation. Thanks, Doug. To learn more about the work of Mercy, Inc., head over to our website, christianmusicarchive.com mercy. That's christianmusicarchive.com mercy. My guest today is Matt Brower, who just recently celebrated the 20th anniversary of his debut album, 
Majerical, and I probably butchered the name, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> that started a music journey resulting in seven albums, multiple awards, but like so many artists, music is not necessarily the most important part of Matt's life. And after recently relocating back to Canada, Matt is celebrating a season of new beginnings, which just might include some new music. It is my honor to catch up with Matt and hear what God is doing in his life these days. So let's welcome to the podcast, Matt Brower. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, I I, I probably butchered the album name. How do you say it? <laughs> we said imagerical, Noah. We made up that word sort of out of a combination of smashing a few words and ideas together. So I yeah. guess it's kind of up for debate. <laughs> and over 20 years ago now. That seems That's hardly crazy. possible. I know. Over this past year, I've kind of been, you know, really thinking about that and celebrating the journey that God has started in my life and all the people that uh, I was in community with and remain as well today. So it's it's been really cool to look back and blows my mind how fast time flies. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, every album has a journey and your life journey up to the release of your album. Let's talk a little bit about you, who you are, how you're growing up, that kind of thing. Now, if I remember right, you were born in Nova Scotia, right? That's right. So talk about growing up and how that played a part into the you becoming a musician. Well, I mean, I grew up in a small town called Truro in Nova okay. Scotia and uh, was on a dairy farm. My dad was a dairy farmer and my mom was a school teacher. And it was a strong sort of Christian upbringing. Uh, my folks went to church multiple times uh, a week. <laughs> Anytime the doors were open, right? <laughs> Anytime the doors were open. That, that was our family for sure, as many people can probably relate. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, it was a interesting sort of family dynamic. Um, my dad's first wife had passed away and he had five kids. Okay. He uh, remarried uh, a single lady that uh, took on that quite huge challenge of five stepkids and a dairy farm and she yeah. had you know never been married and then they had two more kids in the years that followed and that was me and my sister okay and that made seven altogether so it was quite a quite a group of us big age range yeah um but then so when i was three years old uh my dad was uh, driving a truck for a fellow farmer uh, that was in the area and had a car accident and passed away. Mm. So that left my mom with seven kids on her own oh, dairy boy. farm to figure out what to do with. And uh, then my brother, my oldest brother was in his early 20s and had just recently gotten married. And so he took over the farm okay. and we all stayed there, you know, all through my growing up until just recently, my mom actually moved uh, from that same, you know, location okay. that we were all these years. But anyway, um, it was a wonderful way to grow up in that context. The siblings of mine that were older were always sort of stepping in and being there for us. Um, but, you know, for my mom and for all of us, having that loss of a father in our life yeah. was defining. And oh, sure. I think her faith went to a new level. Um, after sort of the initial shock and the grief years, sort mm -hmm. of on the other side of that, she just had an incredible faith. And so growing up, seeing that and experiencing God provide for us just sort of 
whetted my appetite to know him more because the reality of who God was and is was just really right there in front of us oh, and sure. surrounding us. And so um, through my high school years, I struggled a little, as I, probably most people do, just with identity and figuring out who I was and what I had to give. And I had to learn who I was in, as an artist, and I did not have an outlet. I, it wasn't a community, this Dutch farming community. <laughs> wasn't a place where sort of the arts were encouraged as much as maybe other places. Yeah. And, and so I, I had a lot of um, turmoil hmm. inside of trying to figure out like, I had something inside of me and I just, I couldn't figure out what it, you know, how to express it. And so you were I, taking piano lessons or music? I mean, yeah. how did you, My mom, how did you discover yeah. that music was a language that you wanted to get out? Well, I mean, I did take, you know, my mom was uh, in her school teaching. She did some music teaching and she okay. directed the choir. And so that was there. And it was certainly, I think, spiritually my, uh, um, like the hymns that we sang and the Christmas music, that was always a place where I specifically enjoyed and felt maybe uh, God's presence mm. in the church service the most. Yeah. So there was that, but I, and I loved music and I, I loved to sing and all of that, but I guess I just, it never, I didn't accept, I guess, that that was a legitimate, that that was the problem, <laughs> that oh. I wasn't, um, as an artist, I wasn't doing art or something like that. I don't know how to describe it, but all that I know is that I sort of started in, I don't know, moments of, um, discouragement I started journaling and it was in sort of writing and maybe poetry that songs or pieces of what maybe could be a song started yeah. to emerge and then also discovering like music outside of the church that was mine and mm. because I had a quite um, strict upbringing it was we were allowed to buy music that was in the Christian bookstore I'm and right so with you I grew up the I same was, way <laughs> yeah but but in that context, especially at that time, I mean, there was a lot of great music. And so it was in discovering that, that I started to feel like there was a language and um, something that I really felt seen and mm. felt like I could identify with. Yeah. And then wanted to be immersed in and be a part of. And that's really when I started um, writing songs and trying to figure out some guitar chords and... Um, yeah, so that's what's led to all of that. And, and in finding that, like, spiritually, too, I, I felt reborn and I felt, like, um, called into okay. ministry during, I don't know, probably 10, 11, 12th grade. Okay. And specifically some, you know, going to youth group. And there was one conference in particular, I remember, just the worship band and 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 the connection with you know people my age at the time it was so obvious like this is what i want to do and feel like i'm supposed to <laughs> well i can picture you as as a young creative not really having examples around you out on the dairy yeah. farm right uh, and and then all of a sudden resonating with oh there are people that do this yes and it, i can just imagine the the rush of emotion and Oh, this is possible. Yeah. 
Well, it's like finding that thing that makes sense and is um, like so fulfilling this need inside of mm -hmm. you like that. Yeah. And that's how it was. And it was and it was just like that became my what I thought about all day, every day. And, you know, I kind of just had it in my head like there is nothing else for me. This is the path, wow. the path. And, wow. you know, whatever it took, I was just going to follow. And I really felt like um, like it was it was the artistic side of things. But I don't want to like gloss over the spiritual side because like God really was revealing himself to a group of us. Um, but to me, I just felt like what I had seen in sort of the journey I'd had so far and my mom's faith, you know, that had, it wasn't mine yet. Yeah. And when it finally started to be something that was, then, you know, just it felt like the doors just kind of blew open and it was a new world. So am I hearing you right that the music journey and the spiritual journey kind of coincided to where all yeah. of a sudden the light bulb comes on for both simultaneously? Yeah. And Very I cool. even think that in terms of sort of gifting like mm -hmm. um i always had i've always been musical but i i felt i feel like i've always and i think people a lot of artists feel this way but <laughs> i've always felt a bit of a, at a deficit um yeah. like i don't have what it takes maybe um is sort of my of course my internal monologue mm -hmm. yeah but but i just remember going like okay god like i'm trusting you yeah kind of in like a scary place to give me what i need to be able to do what i feel so compelled to do and it was this interesting like i was very shy and inhibited and and yet i just th this feeling and this need to share through music and to tell people about my faith was was just a tiny bit stronger than the fear, uh, yeah. which just, you know, so I was always pushing through this thing where I was like, I remember like having opportunities to get up and sing a couple times in high school, but then certainly in college where I was, you know, thinking right beforehand, like, uh, and praying like, God, I need you like to, there's no way I can do this without your help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when, or if, you know, I got through it, um, yeah, I just knew that the the glory was his because I was not, um, you know, I just, I don't think I was ready or capable in my own strength to do that. That's cool to recognize that, that when you asked for it and then you were able to experience it, that you had the the mind, the wherewithal to say, oh, that obviously came from God. That wasn't something that I just conjured up in myself. Well, I think that for, in my case, it was so obvious that it was like, you know, it, it hit me over the head like a two by four. <laughs> there was no denying it. Anybody who knew me at that time, there, yeah, it was like, it was a, it was a miraculous thing that, that God could equip somebody from where I was coming from yeah. to be able to be in any sort of leadership position. Cause I was just this shy, skinny, like not, you know, leader type kid in my teens and yeah. so um it was neat that god um, can use anybody in any circumstance well you know i i think back to a conversation i had with carolyn aarons a fellow canadian who yeah. shares a very similar story about being i don't know that this is me i can't do this and being put in a situation and then ironically you're late you were label mates for a while uh, on right. reunion uh but I, you know, as I talk to people, I think I think that's a really good reminder that if God's called you to do something, He's going to provide a way for yeah. you to do that, and the energy and the strength, even if it's just a little bit more than the right. hurdle you yeah. have to overcome 
So, yeah. Well, so then you went off to college and and you started a very creative band uh, called Monday Night Worship. I kind of <laughs> sense I know where this is coming from, but this is probably where you really started to hone off the dairy farm finally with people that are right. going to listen. Yeah. And I mean, the there is a little bit of a, a detour in that story too. Okay. My first year I went to British Columbia and to a very small school. It was kind of a transition school and um it had kind of Mennonite roots okay. and my mom's from that tradition originally. And so I, I didn't really have a plan. I just wanted to get out of where my little hometown and <laughs> yep. see something. And I was the same thing. I was sort of scared to do it, but yet I was like, yeah, I signed up and off I went. Yeah. And that year was incredibly transitional. And I mean, it, it set the tone for the rest of my life to this point. Okay. It really was and I've received like this freedom to fail and to be myself and to just accept what God had in front of me. And yeah, um, I mean, I could talk about it for days. That was a great year. Um, but what one of the things that was really cool was they had this, I think it was on Tuesdays. It was called Vespers, which sounds like an old sort of yep. Yep. <laughs> traditional thing. But it was, you know, all these young, cool sort of, to me, they were so cool. Um, people my age and a couple years older who were doing music. And because of the tradition they came from, the sort of West Coast Canadian Mennonite mm -hmm youth groups, man, can they all sing and harmonize. Uh, it was unbelievable. And we were in this place, you know, this chapel that was built probably long before anybody ever thought of putting a drum kit in there, <laughs> right? <laughs> which there was, but in the quiet moments and certain songs, I mean, the singing and the way it would echo throughout that chapel yeah, it was powerful. And I loved those nights. I just remember looking forward to it all week. And so then the next year I transferred to a different school to be a little bit more serious about a four-year music mm -hmm. degree, um, also a, a Christian college um, in Alberta. And when I got there, it didn't have a, a time like that, uh -huh. an evening of just a student-led, spontaneous, but but still consistent thing. Yeah. And so that's where, in the frustration of not having that and wanting it so badly for myself and for my friends, I was encouraged through a group I was uh, part of, like a Bible study group, to take the sort of baby steps into like, well, why don't you start one? Mm. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, why can't somebody else start <laughs> yeah. it? Because I really want to be a part of it, but I don't want to start it. Yeah. But I did with a friend of mine um, that was also in the music program. And, you know, we started off just, we're going to do this every single week of school. But, you know, we didn't know how it was all going to look. And it was just a guitar and a couple of people sitting around in a circle at first. Yeah. And, and then over the next few years, it just grew and grew and grew into becoming a really big part of our of that town, really, yeah. that um, people were coming hundreds every week. And it was uh, in that context that I started to write worship songs. Mm. I had never done that before. I had just, you know, sort of life and faith songs, I guess, that had been part of my angst of my teens and this right. was more specifically for our congregation and looking at like uh, writing songs that have scripture lyric bass and stuff and and when 
you know, stuff was happening on campus, people would be like, oh, we need to get a recording of this so we can take it home for summer or whatever. And people, you know, back then with like, um, like tape recordings. What's devices, that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were like, what? Yeah. But it would sound terrible, right? Because it just, you know, in a big room, it just it wasn't translating. And we found that there was a guy in that small little town where our college was that had a recording studio in his house. And uh-huh used to tour with some bands, Christian bands in the eighties. And he was back in his, you know, where he had grown up. And anyway, he brought out like a reel to reel, like old tape machine Mm -hmm. and recorded one of our um, worship times. And we put it on a CD and had a couple songs that I'd written. And that really began, you know, requests then for our band to come and sing at different churches it kind of spread like wildfire throughout Western Canada. and uh, So were that, you basically performing at people's churches who'd gone to school? And yeah. they said, we have this stuff. Hey, let's go do a concert over, over at Joe's church or whatever. Exactly. Like students would be so excited and be like, hey, listen to this CD my college band made. And yeah. then, you know, we should have them here. And that <laughs> just, it was word of mouth. And then eventually the school kind of saw what was happening and, for a while kind of almost had us as uh, recruiters for mm-hmm. the college yep. and we would go and do a concert instead of like a choir, we were a worship band. Yeah. Um, and that just opened a bunch of doors and that same guy who had recorded our stuff, then we did another album the next year, but we did it in the studio. Okay. And uh, you know, a guitar player, it was all so grassroots, you know, yeah. this guitar player that was teaching at the school, but he was in his late twenties turned out to be like extremely good at producing and uh-huh. it kind of got into, you know, then gradually Pro Tools was uh, becoming a thing. Right. It makes me sound like a really old person. But... <laughs> <laughs> you don't have gray hair yet. You're not that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, it's uh, that second one, you know, then even had a further reach and just it all kind of snowballed yeah. and eventually... Um, his name was Steve Rendell. Okay. He was uh, that original um, owner of the recording studio. He delivered a, several of us artists from that area and that time and that worship band. Um, and he had contacts in in uh, with his friends in Nashville and started yeah. you know handing them out. And one thing led to another, and I signed a recording contract in two thousand and was on my way. Wow, <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. Not well, how you normally you would go about that. <laughs> well, but but the, the whole thing of this is just cementing in my mind that God had this plan for you, yeah. and He gave you the opportunity to understand what true worship was there at that Mennonite college, yeah. and then gave you access to somebody who had skills to mm-hmm. mentor and record and so forth. Oh, and who happened to have connections. Right. And so kind of the confirmation that that call way back when you were in high school— of I think I want you to use music as a tool, just laying out that path for you. And again, kind of like what you were talking about before, if God's called you to do something, he's going to give you the things, energy, emotions, connections, whatever, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And it it is like on, because I think, you know, we're all on a faith journey. And for me, those, those stepping stones were that looking back, you're just like, it's unbelievable how yeah. God has 
such care for all of us and has uh, such a plan. And, you know, it's funny because I think in the years since, there's times when now, as maybe once I was an adult and able to have a little bit more agency over my decision making, yeah. you know, I would try to make these smart decisions. And I look back on that time, and I mean, I did not. I was just following whatever mm, yeah. uh, was there because I had no idea what I was doing. But but an open heart, you know, yeah. and a willing heart, and and I just look back on that, I'm like, wow, that was such a good position and posture to be in to yeah. really experience the best of what God had for me at the time, and for the group of us that were, because um, I mean, nobody, I wasn't doing this on my own. It was right. Right. certainly a lot of people were contributing, and those people were being drawn in by. God, you yeah. know, it was uh, incredible to be a part of. And yeah, like you said, you know, the college that I went to, the second school in Alberta, I mean, it could not be farther away from where you would think you would go to try and pursue a career in music <laughs> for like, you know, a Nashville touring sure. Christian, uh, you know, and, and that's just, that's the, the funny thing is if I had gone and done it, you know, made all these calculated decisions in my own, I would have maybe given up because I would have certainly mm. been a very small fish in a giant ocean. Yeah. Um, but in this context, like I said, there was nobody really doing that at that particular moment. Yeah. So it provided an opportunity and, and God knew. I've often talked about looking back over my life and seeing how this decision impacted this decision, impacted this decision, and going through it at the time, you've got that Oh, what should I do? What should I? Where should I go? And yet, looking back, you can see how those are all baby steps going forward. You mentioned briefly the place where you were at back in college was where you just had an open heart and you went. And now that you're an adult, you have to stop and think about it. Where do you think it is that we lose that childlike faith to say, mm. "I'm following God. Come what may, He's going to bring the right steps." What is it about becoming adult or phase in our life or whatever it is that causes us, okay, I can't just follow that anymore. I have to think about it and make decisions. I can almost pinpoint the moment when I remember feeling it. And I remember I was, I, I mean, I had been in Houston, Texas for, I've been there for about 20 years and I've been specifically went there to work at, at church. But mm -hmm. I remember walking in a parking lot and I was, my mom had called and I was talking to her and I just, I remember like this change in how I felt about other people. Um, I am a person that um, I kind of always felt like there was some secret to life that everybody else knew mm. and I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I never knew it. And so when I, when I would meet somebody, I would just, I would, no matter who they were, I would always, there was a kind of a humility that was baked in just because I sort of felt like I was not sure about anything, mm -hmm. um, just in terms of what to do and where to go and who to be. Yeah, I just, I just had this feeling like everybody else kind of had something figured out and, and I specifically didn't. And so, uh, yeah, but as you know, and so to operate with that mindset isn't always healthy, obviously. Right. And so, to get to a healthy place, I think that as I got older, um, I wanted to be more intentional and be more specific. And, you know, I remember the first tour that I did 
I was a bit of a mess, you know. I was I remember like I would leave stuff all over the place and I just hadn't figured out like packing and getting on a plane and I was <laughs> I would miss flights and it was, you know, yeah. there was a lot of room for improvement. And so in all of that sort of I need to be more responsible, I need to get it together, I need to be better, you know, at this 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 and this. Eventually you do and you can easily at least for me start to feel that pressure to um, achieve and to be super consistent and to, and I don't think those things are wrong. It's just that little by little, I started to trust my own ability to pull mm, things off. Yeah. And as I got more confident in my gifting, I, instead of just continually giving it to God, it's so easy to yeah. just feel like, well, I can get through this, you know, I'm tired and whatever, but I, I can pull this off just yeah. kind of with my eyes closed. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, there's a temptation there, I think, to start to think, well, I've got this. And I, I think maybe that's not always the best place to be, at least for me. And, and, and certainly, I think that God definitely brings us time and time again to our knees. And, um, and it's just that process of like, letting yourself be recreated yeah. by the Spirit and um it's painful and if you are open to it it is life-giving one of the things that i've been wrestling with personally the past couple of years is is learning who i am in christ mm. because kind of like you said we start okay if i'm going to be something that god can use i have to do this 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 i have to cross off these list of you know things when the right. reality of it is and i've told a couple of people this i don't think god really cares at all about what we do or what we have, or our health, or any of that. He just wants us in a relationship with Him. Now, because those things are important to us, He reaches us and talks to us and helps us with those things. But the bottom line is, I just love you the way you are, Dave. I just love you how you are, Matt. And you don't have to do anything. I'm going to work through you. That's something that we unlearn, I think. And I think that's a real detriment to how we as a community of believers can help each other. Because now it's Oh, I have to do this or Matt will never talk to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We constantly try to earn that grace that we're given and feel like, well, yeah. I don't feel like I deserve it today. And then that impacts how you handle every situation. And, you know, the longer that you go on this journey of faith, you know, that doesn't get easier. Yeah. <laughs> because I still find myself even sometimes more than ever, you know, feeling like, why am I trying to deserve this? Because mm. the whole point is that we don't and we yeah. can't, you know, yeah. and, um, and so that is, that's a really true statement, I believe. Well, you, you got signed to reunion and you started uh, working at a church in, in Texas on your bio, you had a, a phrase that really captured me. It's, you said, it might sound strange, but I've never been less interested in pursuing a music career. Being married and having a family has reoriented my priorities completely, and the career things that used to be so important to me have become less so. In that way, it's been very freeing and has forced me to let go of control, kind of like what we're talking about, mm -hmm. uh, and allow me to step in the direction that the opportunities the Lord is bringing me. I mean, that encapsulates what we've been talking about, and you didn't even know I was going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad. That that makes sense. <laughs> so talk about the importance of being married and having a family. While you were traveling around, you 
made a mission trip somewhere mm-hmm. and Hannah fell into your yeah. life. Right. Um, I had decided somewhere along the line to say yes to anything that I could do. I was a single guy mm-hmm. in my 20s, early 30s, and just, you know, I loved any opportunity. And, you know, sometimes I would be scared to do something and think, oh, I don't know about this. You know? <laughs> I went to Poland and I just knew I was supposed to, they had told me there was an opportunity to sing at this sort of some sort of outdoor like week-long christian festival Mm. and i was gonna have to be through an interpreter i mean it sounded kind of like vague yeah i (laughs) I said yes (laughs) i mean there was a delay in houston i got through in paris i missed my flight i ended up in um warsaw and i like i really did not know what was happening i Anyway, all that to say, those were the sorts of things that were happening. And But nine times out of ten, or maybe even ten out of ten, it was just like those trips were life-changing. Mm. And no matter what sort of hiccups there were on the way, it was totally worth it. So more and more I was saying yes to any of the opportunities. And being a part of the church in Houston, they really believed in supporting Christian artists, almost like an artist in residence, especially people who had... a um, like a worship leading as sort of one of their gifts and things that, that they were doing. And so there was usually two or three at, at a time and we would all make our schedule available to be there and then to tour and, you know, all that. But sure. it was cool to be a part of that community because there was a lot of opportunities that I probably wouldn't have known about. Yeah. So they were like, hey, you want to go and be a part of this mission trip to Guatemala? And I said, sure, let's do it. And got all ready for that and went down and... On that trip, I met who is now my wife, Hannah. Her parents were full-time missionaries there, and her family, from the time she was 14, had grown up there, and okay. she was in college. And Anyway, we met then, and then over the next couple summers, I would go down every year and, you know, working together with the kids. Mm-hmm. She spoke Spanish, and, you know, I was doing the music, and... You know, games and stuff and relay races with all of the <laughs> sure. students that were coming to, for yeah. the VBS and whatever. So anyway, we just saw each other in a cool experience and kind of got to know each other that way. And so when she ended up in Houston to study medicine at Baylor College of Medicine, okay. we reconnected and got married. And yeah, that was life changing for me and amazing. And trying, you know, and I was still touring and she would come with me and, she, you know, we were trying to, you know, make our careers work together yeah. and seeing what God had for us. But then, you know, I grew up without a dad. And so when we f- had our first daughter in 2013, Ava, it just was a powerful experience because, you know, all of a sudden there was this, always this void of this mm-hmm. relationship in my life. There was no father. Yeah. And, you know, I had tried to sort of figure out how to reconcile that and my feelings about that with God as my heavenly father and yeah. had had a level of, kind of healing through that and then becoming a dad was just it was so awesome yeah and i understood so much more about of what that means and um it was life-changing and yeah i guess when i was quoted in that statement in my in the bio or whatever i i think that i was that pressure of like constantly um feeling like what's the next step Mm -hmm. in a career or in my music 
this that all kind of just went away and i just felt like something in me had been healed and mm. and fulfilled in a way that 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 restlessness was kind of had had faded away so it was a really neat feeling to be able to be inspired by things and open to things yeah. for a bit more maybe of a open hand pure reason it wasn't about just me or yeah. whatever it was you know there was so much more involved it almost um, sounds like god used your wedding and your marriage to hannah to help you get back to that philosophy that you were at in college of just saying okay lord take it i'll follow and less yeah. of the i have to be in control i have to do yeah i hope so i mean <laughs> there's been a lot of the other <laughs> well wrestling inside of me yeah well, you know, it's interesting because you talked about the loss of your dad, and I literally wrote a question yeah. down. I've heard a lot of people talk about their fathers as an example to pattern their lives after as a dad, and you didn't have that. Right. What was what was there angst in that situation? I don't know what to do because I didn't have an example. Or talk a little bit about that transition. Yeah, I've always every Father's Day I would always dread going to church as a kid because. I always felt so different and then it was like so obvious that, mm. you know, I didn't have a dad. And I don't know, our church, I remember them doing something where, you know, would all the dads stand up and, you know, just yeah. like a little moment to honor them. And I always just, I felt like there was a spotlight on us, you know, because that, dad wasn't that we there. didn't have that and that mm. made us different. And I feared being different and weird, you know, I wanted to be like everyone else because I felt already like there was this deficit, you know, yeah. this obstacle to that. Anyway, so I think that becoming a father, I was apprehensive about what that would mean before, but as soon as I met Ava, as soon as she was born, she held my little finger yeah. and I sang to her like I had been singing to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just... I don't know how to describe it, but it was like an unspoken thing changed. Mm. And I, I can't even really put it into words, but I just, I wasn't afraid anymore because it was just, there was just love. And yeah. I knew that that would be, I, I mean, I didn't even really think through that in a moment. It was just this overwhelming feeling and presence of peace. And uh, it has continued to be that way with, you know, our other, all of our three kids. Yeah. And, it's, you know, and, and so I don't feel that apprehension of like, well, I don't really know how to be a dad because I didn't have one. Um, because it's just, I think it feels like one of the most sort of natural things that it, it's just suited, I think, just what got, where God had me at the time. So how did becoming a dad change your view of who God was as a dad? Oh my goodness. The biggest thing is realizing what I want for my kids. And even when they're in trouble or they're doing something that I'm trying to <laughs> Your kids would never with, do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, all the stories, all the stories. I remember um, driving, dropping my kids off uh, at school. I, I don't know where my mind was, was going, but I just remember thinking like, I am a human, very imperfect parent. And my feelings for my kids and that I want every good thing for them and I just would protect them 
and accept them and love them no matter what. Like, I just, I felt like I was just reminding me in that moment, like, you are not perfect. And here you have a Heavenly Father who is so far beyond yeah. what, you know, any of us could be as a parent and yeah. has those, and has told us he loves us like his, as children and as his children and we are his children. And I just, I remember feeling so overwhelmed by that. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is, I don't know, maybe losing a parent when you're such a small child, you, there are those feelings of fear of abandonment. And like, if you don't, I don't know, like it's hard to reconcile that, mm -hmm. that um, grief. But that moment for me was just like, yes, God loves us with this love that is so beyond what I feel for my own kids. And how can I not just walk in that and feel the, the security and identity and joy in that? And yeah. so that's been a great comfort to me over the last few years. Well, we teased it at the beginning of the show. You have just recently, I mean, like in the last two, three months, yeah. moved back home to Canada what prompted that and what's you know you've spent 20 years ministering and working in houston and and all of a sudden there's this massive shift what's what's the future looking like for you guys well you know it's funny because in in just listening to you sort of interpreting a bit of my faith journey it, you know it kind of comes back and hits me and and that openness and that sense of like let's follow god and just you know it's almost like um the answer is yes. Now, God, what's the question? You know, oh. that sort of living is not easy. And especially I think what happened to me is, you know, I felt that freedom, but then you feel the responsibility of not just yourself, but to provide for your family and to keep them safe. Yes. And your every decision you're making is not just yours. It's there's so much else involved and yep. it can be easy to sort of let fear of failure um keep you from stepping out sometimes and be like i'm not at that season in my life and i need to just you know do what makes sense and what's practical and what's going to put food on the table and all of these things <laughs> and we came to a point where we i felt like my time in texas was over and i didn't know what was next and you know it's my mom is getting older and as we've been so far away from family and feeling the isolation of that especially in a pandemic yeah. we started to pray like what's next and this last fall and christmas season has been unbelievable it has been a faith journey and we have seen god do miracles in our migration yeah. <laughs> back up to where share, I, share one if you would it's it's hard to pick just one, but one does stand out in my mind, um, and it's it's one of these random uh, things where you know as it's happening, you're like this, this God is doing something right now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we had to sell our house, we had to downsize so much, and it was just there were a lot of logistics. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we did, I had. Um, a second car and we needed to sell it and so we were going to do it on our own it was like 14 years old it's a honda civic good car <laughs> yeah it was still doing great um but uh we needed to to get rid of it and to we were gonna buy a van and get all the kids and 
had to have something that was more reliable. And anyway, so we put it up for sale on our own, and you know we were getting all of the messages, people interested in seeing it, and one just stood out, and it was this lady, and she was looking for a car for her son. And so I met with them, and I mean, it was you never know what how where people are coming from and they had the really intense masks on their face mm -hmm. and you know we were talking and it was kind of hard to communicate and they were asking all these questions and they wanted to each individually take it for a test drive and so i started talking to each of them individually while the other one was driving the car mm -hmm. for their son who was not there okay and they started telling me the story about their son and telling me some of his struggles and challenges and how they were trying to be there for him and in speaking with them, realizing they were people of faith who, you know, were really praying for him. And so we just had a really good conversation. And I remember they were going to, you know, think it over. And I, I drove home and talked to my wife, Hannah, about it. And I was just like, I hope, I think this, these are, this is the couple that needs this car. Very cool. And anyway, sure enough, they said yes. And we met them in a parking lot in Houston, right on the 45 freeway. I mean, just, it's loud. And I don't know, there was just something about even just the transaction of, you know, signing the papers and, and getting them, you know, connected with a car for their son. It was like a crazy um, blessing for yeah. both parties. And we ended up like praying together. And I told them we were going to pray for their son, Josh. And we, for the next month, you know, I told my kids about it, and every time we had a meal and remembered, we'd pray for Josh. And it was this crazy blessing. And yeah. it was interesting, like all of these moves that seem so mundane and so everyday, it's like we were in this flow of where God was moving for us, but there was like stuff that was spilling over, and other people were being brought in and blessed as well. And it That's was just so kind cool. of one of those, yeah, it was one of those cool things and something that I wish that I could experience more. Um, but in that uncertainty of not knowing where exactly we were going to land, and here we were making this trip, 2,000 miles plus we were driving with our family, and literally I drove the U-Haul truck towing our second car. I mean, it was crazy. People yeah. would look at it and go, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those sorts of things were happening all along the way conversations with people that would turn to faith for no reason that we didn't even try to have you know, we weren't doing anything like just because of our story and what we were embarking on yeah. it's like that stuff would come up and we would have a chance to see god bless people and minister in a way that was completely beyond us, but we were seeing it, and yeah. it was really neat to be a part of. And I just want to live like that. I want to experience that. I mean, obviously, you can't make a giant move every weekend, <laughs> but but I think there's so many opportunities that we have, like to say yes to God and then put our feet in the water before they part and just see Him do something cool. It's a good lesson. So what now that you've landed in Canada? You've mm -hmm. uh, found a place to stay, obviously. You're not, we're not doing this interview out of a cardboard box. Um, <laughs> what, what's, uh, what's the future looking like for you in this new beginning of your returning home and, and that phase of life? Yeah, well, I'm working on new music. Um, I have been excited to revisit uh, that very first uh, college worship community. Uh, they're having a 20-year reunion this summer. 
God willing. And so we, they've asked me to kind of put the band back together in the, it's been a while since I've known about it. And I've started writing some songs specifically for that community all these years since like, where are we at? And you know, every one of us has such a story and that's kind of the theme is our story. And sharing about God's faithfulness and just the honesty of where he has brought all of us. And in that, I've just really been inspired. So I've gotten some new songs I hope to record in this next six months before that event this summer. And then I am already um, working with some friends um, here in, we're in New Brunswick, uh, which is just one province over. We're about an hour and a half from where I grew up. So close to family, but in our own little place here. And, you know, it's been neat because I've had some friends that are music friends, songwriter friends that uh, are from this area. And it was one of the reasons this spot kind of is where we landed. Um, and so as it, in songwriting and producing and some of that, we've also been talking about starting a leadership program, mm-hmm. um, which I'll have more information on my website and Facebook page in the next few months, but uh, getting off the ground, sort of the next phase of like, you know, coming alongside uh, a younger generation that is looking to figure out what God has for them and maybe has some of the same gifts and um, heart desires that, you know, I remember having 20 years ago and um, being able to maybe walk alongside and and, uh, sort of pass on some information and uh, teaching. And so we're working with a couple different local colleges and uh, hope to have a program set up uh, sometime, we're hoping, by September. So that's one of the things I'm working on. We have a number of people who have committed, and in fact, we've got a bunch of people that signed up this week to praying for musicians. Obviously, you've got a whole new blank canvas in front of you. You've kind of talked about some things, but if we could specifically lift up a couple of things in prayer for you this next week, what would that be? I think specifically um, just to know God's leading and and, uh, there's so many decisions that we're making right now with such a big life change where we're going to eventually land in a permanent sense, we're not 100% sure. And so I think just to have an open heart to what God wants us to do, um, you know, and what we've been talking about, it's kind of been a good reminder for me to remember that crazy roundabout journey that makes sense now looking back, but at the time it was like, I feel led here, but I do not know why, and it doesn't make (laughs) sense. And just to be open to all of the wonderful, like, blessings that God does pour out when you're in that position, if you're open to it. And it's so easy for me, because I certainly don't want to sound like, oh, I've figured this out. Like, it is so easy, I think, for all of us to to miss that and to wake up in the morning and feel like, well, we gotta, you know, grab hold of this and figure it out and like make it something that right away makes sense Um, and feeling that fear of the unknown. So I guess just peace in that journey and um, just uh, joy in the uncertainty, I guess would be a prayer that uh, is most on my heart right now. So what does saying yes to God really look like? 
Obviously, I don't want to just say yes to every thought or opportunity that comes across my plate, but I think this yes is more of an attitude of availability. I was looking for say yes scriptures in the Bible and came across James chapter 4 as written in the message. It says, So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin, purify your inner life, get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Another one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This week, I want to practice being available to God. I want to say, I'm available no matter what you ask me to do. God, my answer is yes. Now, what's the question? I'd like to thank Matt Brower for spending time with us on the podcast today. If you want to hear about Matt's new music or stay connected with his new school of ministry that's getting started, be sure to visit his webpage. And I've got all of Matt's contact details in the show notes on this episode. So be sure to check those out. Before I leave you this week, I want to invite you to join our prayer team. You hear me end every episode asking the guest how we can pray for them that week. Every week on Saturday, I send out the prayer newsletter listing seven different artists that we're focusing on praying for. Now, these artists come from every musical style. Some are legacy artists who are no longer in the music biz, while others are still actively touring musicians. Most of our requests each week come directly from the artists themselves, so these are pertinent concerns in their life. I sure would like you to join me. You can sign up for the prayer newsletter by going to christianmusicarchive.com slash prayer. That page lists our daily prayer focus, and there's also a place on the right-hand side where you can sign up to receive the newsletter every Saturday. You can also choose, if you want to, to sign up for the podcast newsletter there too. But I hope you'll take time today to sign up for that prayer newsletter. Say yes to God might be saying yes to praying for these musicians each week. So visit christianmusicarchive.com slash prayer and sign up today. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.